but you have to be able to discern, is this the right kind of stretching that is actually going to help me become the fullest version of me? Or is this, I'm being asked to do something that's actually going to have diminishing returns four years from now. Hey everyone, welcome to the second season of the Faith at Work podcast, where we get the joy of bringing you conversations that discuss how our faith informs our everyday work. I'm your host, Jen Kelly, joined by my friend and fellow pastor, Daniel Small. This season, we're gonna be sitting down with a variety of experts, thought leaders, and working professionals to talk about how to navigate difficult everyday situations at work and how our faith should inform our response. All of this, to help stir our imaginations, to give us new insights and practical ways to be people who work with wisdom. Yeah, and today we're sitting down with Pastor Steve Carter. Steve has been a pastor for 20 plus years and he's currently the teaching pastor at Forest City Church located in downtown Elgin. Steve hosts the Craft and Character podcast and he's also the author of The Thing Beneath the Thing. Steve's passion is to bring Jesus into everything that he does. He's a really gifted teacher, thoughtful, and he spends his days crafting sermons, messages, blog posts, and books to really encourage people in their walk with Christ. Today, we're gonna be talking with Steve about how to navigate big, challenging life decisions in a wise way. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Steve, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's an honor. I can't wait. This is going to be fun. Faith at work. Let's go. <laughs> well, I, I'm particularly excited because we, like, I knew you out in Arizona when you were teaching pastor out at Mission Community Church with um, our friend Joel Thomas and Ben Reed and all those people. And so it's fun. Like I did your, uh, well, not your, but the Ascent Leadership uh, communication cohort. And I got to just spend some time with you and listen to your story there. And now you're back in Chicago land at a church right down the road from us. Which I used to attend before I came on staff at Christ Community Church. Forest City. Forest City Church, downtown Elgin. Yes. Nice. Yes. I, so that's when I, you, you started talking and I was like, I met you. I know you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like it like all just was like, wait I just remember second. like, wait a second. I know that voice. Yeah. I know that voice. Yeah. Yeah. No. Small world. <laughs> it's so good. Small world. Yes. Daniel Small World. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. That's so good. yeah, it's just an honor and a pleasure to have you here with us today. Um, I'm excited about this topic in particular because I think um, a ton of our people, first and foremost, find themselves in the midst of navigating big life transitions. Should I quit my job? Should I look for another job? All those kinds of things. And this season in particular, we have really like dived into what biblical wisdom looks like and the book of Proverbs in particular to help stir our imaginations to help give us ideas of what it means to be wise people who can think about and transition through whether it's a toxic environment or a healthy perspective or a job or whatever that might be. What does God's word say about this so that I can make a good next step? So we wanted to end this season with probably the most important, and I'm sure if we were to ask our listeners, the highest felt need in terms of feeling this topic in particular really matters, how to wisely navigate making a major life change. Whether, like I said before, whether that's in the form of a job transfer, move 
moving, quitting, looking for another job. So let's just start with a bit of your own story. You're a pastor, you're an author, you're you're married, you're a dad, you've got a lot of different things going on. Uh, maybe share with us a time in your life where you had to make a huge decision. What did you do? How did you come to the decision, you know, what God was leading you or so, so forth? Just a small question. <laughs> We're yeah, just that's, starting that's, vulnerable <laughs> right off the well, bat. Yeah, it's right, right off. I love it. I love it. Uh, well, I mean, I think for most of your listeners who live in Chicagoland, um, they probably have heard or read in the Chicago Tribune in 2018 some of the storylines that I just found myself a part of. Um, I was next in line um, to kind of take uh, and step into a role that my mentor, Bill Hybels, uh, he had founded Willow Creek. He was leading. He, um, I was in the middle of this like five-year succession uh, process that had sometimes felt like the Christian Hunger Games a little bit. But like uh, myself and another person um, were tasked to basically be the two leaders that were going to kind of continue on the the good work and legacy of Willow Creek. And a few months after it had been announced, it, the handoff hadn't fully happened. It just had been announced. All of a sudden, these storylines um, started coming to the surface, allegations um, that unfortunately ended up becoming really true of abuse of power and sexual abuse. And um, all of a sudden, I, I'm and this massive place of cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. In one sense, I have, this is my dream job. For 20 years, I've been working my tail off to be a senior pastor. Um, this was a congregation I absolutely loved. I desired uh, to see um, them continue to grow in faithfulness to the text and faithfulness to Jesus. It was a a group of people that I just I just really resonated with, um, in the weirdest way, not in a possessive way, but they got me and I got them. Like it just it 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 worked. It 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 was so incredible on so many aspects. I mean, it just it was like I couldn't have written a better a better job description. I couldn't have written a better congregation for me personally. Like I. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't believe this um, was my life. And even when they announced me um, as like the next successor, I, I quoted uh, what Jim Harbaugh, coach of the University of Michigan, you know, often ends every practice with at the University of Michigan, and like where he screams out, "Who's got it better than us?" And then the, all the players scream, "Nobody!" Like, "Who's got it better?" Nobody. Like this is this is, and I saw the next twenty five years of my life. As Dr. B kind of mentored Bill, Bill was going to mentor me and, and another person. And I, I was like, someday I'm going to get to be somebody's Dr. B. I'm going to mentor the next. Mm. And I just, I just saw that. I, I, I was in, I was in. And then these allegations came out. And um, unfortunately, like the, there had been a group of people, the elders and some others who had been like trying to manage this, hoping it would go away. Mm. And it didn't. And now you're kind of up with this. I love my job. I love the people. And now I'm like being asked to like manage something that 
isn't holy and right. And, and the real cognitive dissonance was, I really felt like I was playing with people's trust, you know? Um, and that's, that's, gets really, really tricky. And so I've, I, st- I stepped back and I, you know, I kind of went a little rogue to be honest. And I, I wanted to get like, what's the actual story. I, I went and I met with each of the women, um, got to hear their stories and I realized like, wow, there, this stuff happened. And then I, I tried to go to the people that were above me and say, I think that there's a, a holier, better way to walk through this. And, um, at the end of the day, like, um, they didn't think that my idea was the best way, um, forward. And then a story broke on the New York times and about another allegation, um, of sexual misconduct. And, and I, this happened on a Sunday morning and they called a meeting with all the leaders of the church. And I was like, we got to address this. We got to like call this thing out. We got to, we got to talk honestly. And this is the New York times. And it's like being retweeted again and again and again and again. And I, and it's basically like, no, we're not going to talk about it. Hmm. And that thing for me, um, like trust is a mathematical formula to me. You're safe plus consistent again and again, over and over on repeat makes you worthy of trust. Hmm. And God is safe and God is consistent. But when you are unsafe and you are consistently unsafe, you're not worthy Hmm. of trust. Or if you are safe, but you're inconsistent, you're not worthy of trust. And the church has to be safe. And our job is to remind people that God is safe. And for me, just to get up there and do what I love to do felt like it was going to be a violation of trust. And so um, I resigned um, that day. I didn't go on stage. And I went home and I wrote a blog post. I'm not saying I did it the right way. I just felt like I had attempted every option to and, and thing in my power to get towards the truth. And it wasn't coming out. So, so if you're asking like a real big question is number one, what do you do when your values are violated? What are you, what do you do when you are in a situation where you are being asked to be untrustworthy? And then what do you do, especially when it's in the Mm. church world for me, when you attach God's name to it? That's the stuff that I needed. And I went to mentors, therapists, spiritual directors. I I prayed like I've never prayed before, but it was wrestling through. And what do I do when my values are being violated? What do I do when I'm being asked to violate people's trust? Mm-hmm. And what, what do I do when I don't think that the organization is handling abuse or handling an issue in the right way. What do I do then? Yeah. That's the tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's sorry if that's like went way too deep right no, away. No, are you kidding I, but me? Like, I, was like, I, <laughs> yeah. I was like, you, I was like, okay, we're going here. We All are, right, we are. let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. 
um, uh, strong like water, it reminded me what you said. We we use the word trust a lot, but actually what people are really wanting to know is, is this place safe? And so when you are being put up on a stage as a representation of like, yes, this is a safe place, but that's not actually the reality behind the scenes. And then having to go through like what you said, moral violations and all that kind of stuff. I, I think a lot of that not just in church settings, but in corporations, in businesses, in a whole bunch of different areas, people are are seeing the difference. Like, oh, I got this job or I got whatever. And now I'm finding that the the truth, the reality behind the scenes look a lot different. Mm-hmm. And so that's the disillusionment part that people start to walk through. Now, what do I do? Did God call me here? <laughs> right? And if he did, How am I supposed to respond or what does it look like to exit? Which is why this topic in particular, I think, is such a high felt need because I think people really do want to do the right next best thing forward. And these questions of how long is it too long to stay? What is the right thing to do? And me and you talked about this in Arizona in particular, because when I was um, in the cohort, I had just exited a really traumatic experience where same sort of thing, not on the scale of like New York Times and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But same thing, I found myself in a reality where it was like, oh, there's toxic behaviors going on and I'm seeing everything kind of play out. But you're wanting to put me on stage as a check mark and say, oh, God is good and this is a safe place. And internally, like the struggle is real. I love these people. I love what I do. I love my job. Now, what is the next right step for me to take? So, yes, that's exactly where we're going. Can I ask a follow-up question? What questions in particular were you asking your spiritual mentors, Mm -hmm. your therapist, to help you kind of make that next step of, okay, now it's time to resign? Yeah, I I think the the help that they gave me was what is in your yard? You know what I mean? Like, it's easy to point like, oh, they should do this and they should. No, no, What What's in your yard? Mm-hmm. Don't don't matter what's in somebody else's yard. What's what are what are you going to do? What do you feel right? And so a lot of it was trying to get me back into um, healthier integration, to be honest, because I got people tweeting at me, telling me what I think that they think I should do. I got congregants telling me what they think I should do. I got elders telling me what they think they should, I should do. You almost have to like step back and drown out all of that noise and simply get back to Lord, what are you asking me to do? Hmm. What are you, what are you, what are you, what are you asking me to do? Are you asking me to walk away from this? Are you asking me to like fight for this? Are you asking me to, to speak up on behalf of like, what are you asking me to do? And to be able to process that. And I'll, I'll never forget, like in my therapist's office, I'm like processing and I'm a three on the Enneagram, which basically my mantra is, you know, if I'm not winning, I'm sinning, you know, like <laughs> it's like super goals oriented. Like I want to go, I want to go. Yeah. They achiever, you know, yeah. and I'll never forget. My counselor just said, um, Hey, there's no ultimate win here. Mm. And that, that's, that's the hardest part often when we are looking at transition in any, any shape or form, right? There's no ultimate win. Like someone's getting hurt or someone's getting frustrated or someone's going to look down on you for, 
for leaving or, or moving to a different job. Someone's not going to fully get it. So, and I, I kept going, well, can I get, will, will Bill understand? Will the staff understand? And will the elders understand? Will the congregants understand? Will the women understand? Like there was just too many constituents. And, and all of a sudden the therapist was like, you, there's no ultimate win. The only win is you being true to your values and you actually being true when the spirit whispers that you will follow that. Hmm. So I was able to shrink it down to what are my values? And the answer is yes, Holy Spirit. What's the question? Hmm. And that became kind of like a couple of my mantras as I walked forward. Hmm. Yeah, I think the what you were just describing too, the difficult part of that is it's so easy for us to uh, put uh, an emphasis on the other voices that are coming into our life. I think uh, it's really easy for us to, you know, if you're, if you're like me, you care a lot about what other people are thinking. And so trying to satisfy all of those parties is a false sort of thing. I think we construct in our minds where, you know, we're, we're able to, you know, check all the boxes or we're able to, you know, satisfy everyone with our decision. But the reality is, is that oftentimes, you know, we won't, um, and there will, there will always be some sort of like criticism or whatever the case is, but you have to, I, I love that idea of like, you just, you just have to, what's in, what's in your yard? Like what, what's, what is God entrusted to you and how can you make that decision in confidence? I think that makes a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. So Steve, one of the things I want to talk about a little bit further, um, is that, you know, in your story, you were talking kind of about, honestly, a traumatic experience. Like you, you know, this, this, uh, trauma at work, which can happen to other people as well, where they feel like they need to make an exit and really need to, uh, make a, a like right now is the time to leave, uh, because of whatever has happened, what they've experienced. Right. There are other times where maybe it's not traumatic, but there actually requires a little bit more of a perseverance attitude where it's like, you know what, this is actually really difficult right now, but, I might need to be actually like pushed through the wall here. I might need to uh, persevere, have a little bit of grit, um, you know. Uh, so could you just maybe help distinguish between those two things? When is it appropriate for us to think about perseverance of like, yeah, I really need to like, it's difficult right now, but I need to keep going. And then the other side of it is like, well, no, I need to actually uh, like now is the time for me to like step back. And I recognize that that is somewhat situational, but are there kind of principles that you can give us for each of those, each of those things? Yeah. You know, I think maybe 15 years ago, um, a pastor, Eugene Cho just told me, Hey Steve, mm -hmm. your prayer daily should be for wisdom and discernment. So whether you're in the marketplace or the church, I think you should wake up every morning, ask for wisdom and discernment because you have to be able to navigate through those two kind of realities. Um, when you're in a situation and you're having to discern, is this actually for my benefit to go through this difficult kind of season? Um, I'm asking myself, number one, is my manager or my boss or my leader, are they safe? Two, do they actually, are they for me? Are they, are, if, if they're for me and see the best in me, then like I actually have trust that they actually, they know it's difficult, but they think I can actually handle this. You know, they, it's like you're getting pulled up as a freshman to varsity and they're like, mm -hmm. hey, you can do this. 
you can do it's gonna be hard you're gonna have a you're gonna have a a steep learning curve but we see this we believe in you we will support you we we're we're gonna be with you in this because we think you have what it takes if you don't have that now you're left on your own right and you're mm-hmm. and you're like one of the worst leadership moves you can be is just to tell someone who's underneath you or beside you, figure it out. Hmm. And if you're in that situation and you're like, I don't know, are these people for me? What you're really saying, you know, in the strong, like water language, is this place safe? And one of the things I I, I would say, and, and Bill, Bill would talk about this often at the summit, he would say, you know, and we know this from like weight room. We know this from like learning, um, you know, you, you've got to be in situations that are uncomfortable. That's how you grow. Yeah. So, so you, but you can't be there every day, week after week, month after month, quarter after quarter. It, you're actually going to wear and tear on your mind, your heart, your body, your soul. Yeah. But you have to be able to discern, is this the right kind of stretching that is actually going to help me become the fullest version of me? Or is this, I'm being asked to do something that's actually going to have diminishing returns four years from now. And that's where you almost have to step back and look at it objectively. Um, You need to ask people who know you, know your gifting and go, hey, here's the situation I'm walking through. Um, What gets really, really scary is when you're making decisions all alone. You don't have wiser people who are older who have walked through this and they might look at this and go, did you walk away from this right now? You're, you're going to miss an opportunity and, and the opportunity might not be at this company, but the opportunity might be at, you know, Salesforce or, you know, Paylocity or some other Wilson or some other company down the road, but you needed to learn this to actually prepare you for the next season. So that's some of the stuff I think through yeah. yeah, that's that's good. That's really helpful. I I want to take a like a step back a little bit too because I think uh, particularly in um, Christian lingo, we like to talk about God's calling or vocation, and it's like this very ominous, mysterious thing. And I feel like the fear factor, especially with a lot of people, they might feel like they miss God's calling, or if they make the wrong mistake, or then all of a sudden God's not with them or all the different things, nuances that go with that. I would love to hear from your perspective, like what does God's calling mean to you for our people and our listeners that, that want to know, are they pursuing God's call in their life? So Parker Palmer wrote one of the greatest books. Um, it's awesome because it's like a hundred pages and (laughs) it's called let, let your life speak. And I try to read it every year. And he's a Quaker. Um, He's brilliant, brilliant. But he talks about vocation really comes from this idea of inner voice. And for me, I I really resonate with that. Like um, my, my, the inner voice for like what made me and wired me to communicate God's word. um, That that's, that's how God made me. Um, He didn't make me for Willow. He didn't make me for Forest City. Um, I do think God calls people to place. That's true. Oh, we also know like the the first kind of church fathers and mothers, you know, is like 
um, Teresa of Calcutta. Yeah. You know, they they had connected to their name, you know, Steve of Chicagoland. But it was like them living out that voice, that that vocation in a place. For me, I would just say like um, the way I kind of think about it, you know, when everything was going down at Willow, Bob Goff um, showed up one day. Bob's I've known him for a number of years and he is. And like every time he come to Chicago, I I, I can almost promise you this. He teepeed my house. So like a 65 year old man teeping my house, which is just <laughs> awesome and terrible. But I remember like he saw me and I was like, just holding all of this. And I was asking like a calling vocation question without really asking it. And he just looked at me and he just said, Hey buddy, what's um point, which direction is North? And I was like, uh, I just, just put my hand up. I was like, I don't know. And he's like, and he, he pulls out of his pocket, a kitty like a child's compass from like a party store and he starts turning it and he's like, ah, there it is. Yeah. And he, and he goes, that's your job. Your job is to point people towards true North and Jesus is true North. So just wherever you need to go, just go towards true North. And I carried that. I carried that compass with me. I literally just had someone in our congregation, her husband um, is having brain surgery. I gave her the compass just as she's walking through the season, oh, or man. I would literally pull it out of my pocket. I, and then they usually give it back to me. I just keep passing the same compass around. Anyways, what I say to that is one of the ways that which has been super helpful for me is anytime I'm going through a calling vocation question, I would hold that compass and go, take me backwards, Lord. What does the scripture say? What does the scripture say about this situation, about how you wired me? Hey, take me forwards and we do life together. Like who's coming with me? Who are the people in my life that are actually going to help me discern this? Hey, direction, take me upward. How do I pursue your presence in the middle of this and, and hear that inner voice of where you're guiding and leading? Hey, inward, like this, the compass true North is going to take me inward. And like, Oh my goodness. Like, what is this fear or what is this like doing within me that I need to like process through with a spiritual director, mentor, therapist and outward. How do I, how do I actually like take this and like begin to serve other people? But I just, that compass became almost this model for directions for me to begin to go, Oh, in this season it's backwards. Oh, this season it's, it's really, I heard God through these friends. Oh, it was through this presence for me, it's just almost widening it. Then it's your job at Motorola. It's your job at craft. It's your job at Willow. It's your job at Forest City. It's no, it's, it's, it's about a relationship with, with Christ and the Mm. spirit. Yeah. And how am I, how am I at work to do that, to honestly know what my next best right step is? Yeah. Well, I, I think that perspective of vocation too is so much more freeing. It's, you know, because it's, it's, it's a formative perspective. It's one of those things that like Jesus is taking us on this journey <laughs> that is called our lives. And ultimately yeah. like he's trying to form us into the person that he's, you know, called us to be. And so I think it's one of those things. Sometimes we can get so fixated on a thing or an organization or that role or that thing. 
but it looks more more something in line with like we're doing this thing and we really sense this inner voice like pulling us towards something or you know we wrestle we pray through that and we're like you know I don't know what this means yet like I don't I don't know what this looks like yet and like you know continuing to just walk faithfully down that path and I think having that like formative perspective is also kind of um I, I love what you said, was said with Bob Goff, but I feel like it's a much more lighthearted way to go about our lives too. It's like, we don't have to have the control over the situation or we don't have to have the next answer or the next thing. It's more of like, God, what are you, like, what, what are you doing today? You know, like it's, it's more of like an opening up, right? Like, a uh, having that sort of perspective. So I, I think that, uh, I think that's really, um, really helpful. So maybe Steve, if you could just talk a little bit further, how do you feel like that sort of understanding that formative perspective, when we have that, like, how does that help us actually make big decisions in our life rather than kind of like oscillating on like, should I do this or should I do like, how does that sort of understanding change the way that we actually make big decisions in our life? Oh, that's so good. Well, I think I think a couple of things. One is right away, you have to almost get really, really honest with how easy it is for us to communicate what we say we want with Christ and what we actually embody. Hmm. And what I mean by that is, oh, yeah, I want to live a life of surrender. But honestly... Do From you. a lot of that 2018 moment when everything was happening, I want to control. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? So like, so what ends up happening when these transitions come, you start to realize like, oh, I, I believe this about my faith. I actually though live this out. I, I say I believe in freedom, but I'm actually living more around scarcity. Yeah. Mm. I say, you know, and so, so part of what you're, that lightheartedness I so resonate with is almost like, oh, wow, this is an invitation for my growth. Um, there's a great prayer by Thomas Keating, Mary Mordorowski, like kind of like, um, kind of took it, but it's called the welcome prayer. And part of it is like, I welcome everything that comes my way today because I know it's for my healing. Like, what if you live that way? I actually believe that this difficult situation is I'm welcoming it because I know that God, you're actually going to use this for me to be shaped and formed more into the image of Christ. And that might be suffering for a season, but I'm actually going to look more like Christ and it might be success. And I'm, I'm going to actually get to look more like Christ by how I handle that. It could be character school. Oh, wow. Let me, let me surrender that. And so I think for me, it's just, where do I see that distance from what I believe and how I live? And then two, and this is, this is just the fun part is this is where you just get to go Lord, teach me. Like te I, I've never done this before. There's, there's no map. I mean, I can read Henry Cloud's Necessary Endings. I can read great book. I can read all of these different things. Yeah, 100%. But like, yeah. But this is, this situation is different. Yeah. And so I got, and I used to say this, man, I, I never prayed as much as I prayed in 2018. And there was a moment when I was walking early morning in a nature reserve. And I remember saying, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy when I'm walking through but I think I'm going to miss how much I needed the Lord, mm -hmm. how much I needed to hear that voice. And I hope that in five years from now, 
I still need God's voice and direction as much as I need it today. Yeah. Wow. Mm. In this moment. That's so, so good. Yeah, that really that really resonates with me because um post college I struggled with a lot of anxiety around my vocation. Like a lot of anxiety. Um like it it was definitely a very like dark season of my life and I um I remember there was wise people in my life that were trying to encourage me in this direction. They were trying to say like, Daniel, you really need to like, listen for God, like listen for God's voice and some of those things. And honestly, that was like the last thing I really wanted to do because (laughs) it felt so like, it felt vague to me. It felt like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know how to really like, what if it's six months and I still don't have the job I'm supposed to have after college, you know, and all, all of these questions are, are running through my head, but I feel like I'm just now, maybe just now starting to like, un, like beginning to understand like what they meant by that or like what that really looks like. And honestly, cause I, I, what, I graduated in 2019. So yeah. it's been what, four years my now. My gosh, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> It's Apparently, so I'm in Gen Z, uh, Steve. I I don't think so, but well, it's a it's a different discussion for another time. Totally Gen Z. <laughs> sure, whatever. Um, but all that said is, I rem- I remember like yeah, really wrestling with that, and I I feel like now I'm I'm just beginning to understand like maybe a little bit of a deeper glimpse into that of how how like God will lead us in the right moment in his, in his timing. And it, it is going to be better. And that because after graduation, I tried to control so much and I'm, I have realized now, like when I grasps, grasps, grasped for control, um, that's when the mistakes happened. Like that's, that's when like actually it kind of perpetuated my anxiety because I thought I had control, but it was kind of a false illusion. And so I thought I was controlling this thing and I was like, I got it. And then it like, you know, spiraled. And so, you know, all of, all of these things, um, started to happen. So I don't know that, that really resonated with me. Well, and I think we all face it to different degrees. I'm a 41 year old woman, right? Yeah. And I just went through like a crazy transition almost two years ago. And still it came down to like, did I was questioning, did, did I hear wrong? Did you call me here? What am I supposed to do? And then do I trust you now with the aftermath? And what does this mean for me? Am I ever going to be able to do my dream job again? Like all of these questions kept like rebelling through my head. And literally at the center of it is like, do you love me? (laughs) So simple. Do you love me? Do you see me? And do you really care about me? Even in the midst of that. And then in reverse, do I trust you with this? You know, and it's not like a yes, no check off the box. Like I think sometimes we think it is. My great aunt who was... um, it doesn't matter. She was a missionary uh, a long time ago, but she used to always say, we think of it as a yes, no, or a good, bad, or then God's like, like happy with us or bad with us. And then there's consequences. And she goes, if we could just start looking at these decisions as good, better, best, and no matter what decision you make, as long as you're wholeheartedly pursuing him, he's with you and he loves you. And it's still going to work out for your good in the end. Because like you said, he's forming you into the image of his son, which is so helpful. Like that's so helpful. Yeah. And then we don't have to like pinpoint it or get it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, there's, yeah, that's yeah. so good. Yeah. So I want to expound a little bit because when we tend to make major life decisions, a lot of times, especially in the culture and the context we live in, we, we tend to view them very individualistic, right? Like we start with me, 
we want to like go through all the check mark boxes of like, is this going to be enough money? Am I going to be able to use my giftings here? Education, all that kind of stuff. But I want to ask you, how can we as Christ followers think through these major life transitions from a more communal, communal perspective? And why is that important to think through? Yeah. So most major transitions I've made, um, we have participated in a practice called the clearness committee. And actually Parker Palmer talks about this in let your life speak. And this is when you actually um, allow four to six people who know you, you know? So if I was like, you know, basically invited into your living room, Jen or Daniel, like when you guys were going to make a, a big a big decision. And we would, we would have like a little summary of what you were pondering, considering praying through. And then the, the, the piece is we would come with just questions and you had to say the first thing that came to your mind and we couldn't respond. We're just trying to get you to talk about the real reason why you want this. So Parker Palmer talks about how, he wanted to be a president of a university and someone asked him, tell us like why you want to be the president. And his first answer was, I will get my picture in the paper. <laughs> and, <nice>. so, yeah, <laughs> and so, and so, and someone responded, do you think that there's another way that you could get your picture in the paper a great that question. didn't require being a president? <laughs> and he was like, oh, and he got in touch with his motivation. And what I love about that is like, it's trying to get clearness of, is this where the Lord is leading? Or is this just me um, in my own kind of fear or scarcity or longing for security or longing for glory or longing for this? And some of that's not bad. It's going to come with opportunity. I get that. But if that is your primary purpose, um, it's often going to lead to to more pain. Mm-hmm. And when you feel the 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 beauty of friends who are looking at you and going, "Oh, you need to do this." It's like Acts thirteen. You know, it's like this small group, and the spirit came upon them, and all of a sudden, Paul is is not leaving. Paul is being sent out. And that's that's what you want. You want to be able to like have your friends go, we see this, we're sending you out. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, you didn't even think about us? Like I thought we were doing life together. And so, and then other times I've had opportunities that came that were amazing, but it was going to lead to more isolation. And the community that I had was so good. It was so amazing. It was shaping and forming me in such important ways that I probably stayed longer there because of the goodness of my community far was better for my soul and my family than my career. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So good. I I feel like that's been a theme too on this podcast about the importance of listening to your community and like inviting people into those big decisions because yeah, we, we don't always, we don't always think about that. Uh, we don't always think about that. This is something that Katie Cole uh, talked with us, uh, you know, a couple couple of weeks ago, and the importance of, you know, when you're wrestling through those things, you don't have to do it in isolation, um, and actually, it's it's worse for you. And people around you have a lot to will have a lot. I, I liked what you said about asking questions, like not coming to like say, hey, here's here's what I think you need to do with your life, right? 
But just coming with like, hey, have you considered this? Like in an uncovering some of those deeper things, I think is is really important. Yeah. So, Steve, you wrote this book <laughs> called The Thing Beneath the Thing. And I want to bring it up with this topic in particular, because number one, it's a beautifully written book. You're very vulnerable. You tell good stories. But in it, you discuss a lot of the things. You talk a lot about triggers, hideouts, insecurities, false narratives and grace when when we're dealt with the question of like, hey, how is life going? And I was struck with this uh, topic in particular, because I think when we're navigating big life transitions, especially because I just went through one, I, I we will go back to triggers or bad decisions or whether it's fear, all these different things, because we're either scared or we don't know what to do, all, all of whatever trauma might have happened or whatever. So I want you to expand a little bit about the grace part of this, why it's important to remember grace when we are going through big transitions and maybe how can we almost preach to ourselves or remind ourselves the importance of that truth? Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's so beautiful because I think grace, you know, it's going to find you. Hmm. That's, that's, that's the, the beauty is it doesn't matter where you are on your spiritual journey. Um, grace is going to find you. And and that's, that's the heart of the father is just, just going to come after you. Um, and I think sometimes in our churches, we stop there and that's the unfortunate part. Um, because grace isn't just going to find you. Um, grace is going to find you out. And that I think is a real beautiful piece. Like I remember one time when I got pulled over and I, I was speeding and the police officer didn't give me a ticket. And I was like, oh, phew, grace. And and my, my my friend, when I was telling him the story, was like, that's not grace. Grace would have been you getting a ticket so that you actually stopped speeding. That was mercy. <laughs> you got mercy on that moment. And I was like, so oh, good. man. You know, and and I start to think about this where here's the grace piece that's going to find you out. Um, It's going to bring all of those counterfeit gods in Tim Keller language, all of those fears to the surface, all of those other places that who they, they, that's what you're actually doing this thing for. And it's just going to bring that to the surface and you get to go, Oh, is that actually how I want to orient my life? Hmm. Um, am I doing this for my parents' pleasure or am I doing this because the, the Lord wanted me? Am I doing this? Cause I'm, I'm actually scared about my future. What does that say about my faith and my whole understanding of hope and, and, Am, am I, am I afraid that um, I'm going to make a bad decision? Like what, what, what does that actually say? If I have the Holy spirit within me, all of this stuff of grace is bringing these. And it's often, like you said, Jen connected to childhood traumas and grace is going to give you a chance to like sit with that and actually not escape from it. But, and, and there's another form of like therapy that I'm a big fan of. It's called IFS internal family systems. Mm -hmm. And it, and, and you're made up of these parts and oftentimes what happens is we don't speak for that part that feels anxious. We don't speak for that part that feels afraid. We, um, we speak from it and it takes over. And all of a sudden the anxious part of Steve from 12 years old is now leading me instead of 44 year old beloved by God, Steve, who 
recognizes in my past, I got a little bit of anxiety there and I see it, I see it, but I can be able to walk in integration and in health without that driving. It can sit in the back seat. It doesn't have to drive the car. Yeah. And I think part of what Grace is going to do is just say, hey, you can't, Dallas Willard says, you know, Grace is opposed to earning, but it's never opposed to effort. And this is the effort that Grace wants to see is that it wants you to become as whole as humanly possible. Hmm. Not just trying to get you from here to heaven. It's trying to get their heaven into you yeah. and the fullness of it. And so that's us opening it up and being real and honest and raw and vulnerable about what we're really, really feeling about the situation of potential transition. So good. That's so good. And I'm thinking about this idea too, that we like, you know, even, even when we, in our attempt to control in, even in our attempt to, um, when we make poor decisions, God still uses those things and teaches us along that journey. And he's so patient with us in the process of it. Like he's, he's so gracious. He's so patient with us. And that I, I love that, you know, even, even the, 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 the mistakes or the things that, you know, we've tried to, um, you know, take into our own hands, God still uses those things and can then, you know, take us on this journey to actually become, like you said, more integrated and more whole. Um, and I feel like just that whole grace is just like that, that his graciousness in that sense is just really, really, um, beautiful and good for us to, to sit with probably for a long time. Yeah. Can I, can I tell you scripture on that? Because I think it's yeah. a really, really great part. Like if you read Deuteronomy chapter one, um, it's it's a it's a fascinating and it's a it's a small passage. Most of us would miss it. But a little bit of context is the people are moving from a place of oppression towards the promised land. But what do they do? They're not that far from the promised land and they set up camp outside of Mount Horeb. And they're there 13 months. They know where water is, they know where they take out the trash, they know where they live. And in, and in Deuteronomy 1, 6, God says, you've stayed too long at this mountain. Turn, set your journey and go. And I think that's, that's the piece is like God knew where he was taking them and even let them stay for 13 months at Mount Horeb, but just reminded them, Hey, you stayed too long at this mountain. I, I play that verse over and over again is like, there's been some mountains I've stayed at too long. Some of those mountains are feelings. Some of those mountains are in relationships. Some <laughs> of those mountains were in jobs. And it's almost as if turn a sense of like repentance, like turn and see the vision that I have for your life. Mm. See like where I'm calling you. Now you got to set your journey. How are you going to get towards where God's calling? And once you have that vision and you know how to set your journey, the only thing you have to do now is go, yeah. go towards it. And so that for me is just for anyone who's like, you, you stay too long at that mountain. Yeah. You just need to lift your head and see the vision that God has for you. And don't feel shade or shame like Daniel was saying. Like, that's God's grace. He's still, he's not done with you. He's not done with me. You know, as Ruth Bell Graham's tombstone says, uh, says her name, the date she's born, date she dies, and underneath it, it says, end of construction. Thanks for your patience, <laughs> which I love. I love that. Which I love. So, yeah. Oh, so Steve, thank you. Yeah, truly. Thank like, you. Thank you very much. You have no idea. Just really an honor to have you on today. 
Yeah, Steve, thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, if our listeners want to find you uh, either on social or a website or something like that, could you just give a little bit of information um, so that they can stay in touch with you? Yeah, they can go to stevecarter.org or on social media. It's pretty much at Steve Ryan Carter on Instagram and Twitter. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Faith at Work. This episode concludes the second season of the podcast. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for joining us along on this journey. It has been so much fun and I've really enjoyed it. While the second season of the podcast is coming to a close, we do have a special episode coming up that's going to talk further about what you can expect to hear next season. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And as always, go ahead and subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Feel free to email us your suggestions, questions, ideas to workpodcast at ccclife.org. And then lastly, tell your friends that the way they work matters too and invite them to join along in the conversations. We'll talk to you soon.